Father in heaven, we come before your throne of grace once more. We thank you, Lord, for your word that we've heard this morning. We pray now your presence with us this afternoon. We pray that every one of us will open our hearts, that uh, whatever is said would be received upon good ground, and that would all redound to your glory. Be with those that couldn't be with us, the sick and the shut in, the oppressed, and comfort each and every one. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. With the Lord's help, I'd like to turn to the um, book of Proverbs, chapter 3. The book of Proverbs, chapter 3. It's a long chapter, so we, we won't uh, go through it all, but we'll just uh, see how the Lord leads. Proverbs chapter 3. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them upon thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favour and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. Honour the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he delighteth. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver, and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all things that thou canst desire are not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honour. Her ways are the ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that, that lay hold upon her, and happy is every one that uh, retaineth her. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth, by understanding hath he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths are broken up, and the clouds drop the dew. I'd like to stop reading at verse 20 of Proverbs chapter 3. Now this um, book of Proverbs has been expounded from this pulpit by others in the past, I remember. Uh, and 
It may seem like it's repetitious in terms of exhorting sons to listen to their fathers. Exhorting, especially it is believed that one of the, the author was uh, Solomon himself, that he was a father to many sons and daughters. And we may look back at the life of Solomon and say, what can be learned from him? Because we know that at one stage in his life, he married the Phoenician princess and he got carried away with her gods and even allowed the, uh, the worship of their gods on, in high places. And uh, it really took a toll on him because he basically broke one of the earlier laws that God gave to the children of Israel. And that was, number one, don't have any other gods before you. Number two, well, not number two, but um, don't bow down to worship him and, and, and so forth. But also not to mingle with others that are not like-minded, like the nation of Israel in this case. But to us, it's that are not like-minded to the Christian, to the believer. Because you'll have your problems, you'll have your um, resistance, you'll have your differences of opinion, differences of view, than what is given to us in the Word of God. And Paul says, for me, it is not grievous for me to repeat these things to you, but for you it is safe. So let us never get um, in any way feel bored, feel this is redundant, I know this. Because usually many that say I know this usually break away from it. The law was given to, as we heard this morning, to Israel for the conviction of sin and for to expose us to who we really are, a fallen race, and how we need to get back to the place where we can get back to God, even though the law initiates it through conviction of sin, but back to Christ who gives us forgiveness and power over sin through his blood and Holy Spirit through the born-again experience now this was written to an earthly son but it applies to think of it as God speaking to us directly which we should because as God had inspired Solomon in these proverbs um, remember he may have done this, I'm not quite sure exactly the date, there's lots of opinions, but when he was actually under the uh, inspiration of the Holy Spirit at this point in time. And so he has wisdom, or he may have been done doing this in reflection of the past. I'm not going to go there, not for this, this afternoon. But we can think of it as God himself speaking to us and not just my son, but my daughter, forget not my law. Because 
as we've heard this morning and as was said in Romans chapter 7 and taken from the, the Psalms, I believe it was Psalm 19, says, therefore the Lord is good, just and holy and good. It converts the soul in the sense that it begins that, it, the, 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 the awakening, if you will, of the soul to their sin and from there the blood of Christ will give us healing. So God is telling us that to keep that law. Uh, Jesus himself, if you go to Matthew chapter 5, he says, did he come to do away with the law? No, he didn't. He didn't come to, to abolish the law, it says. He came to establish it. He came to fulfill it. And he did that. Any, everything that was written in the law concerning him and concerning the foreshadowing of what would happen when he did come in, that's in, the, in the sense that he became now the Passover for us instead of them, the Jews celebrating the Passover he was the Passover, 1 Corinthians 5 says and Rome, uh, Hebrews 9 and 10 tell us exactly that the law was a foreshadowing of things to come they were pictures of what will happen in the, in the future that Christ would come so in, in, we, in, in no way do we abolish the law. The ceremonial part of the law we do not practice anymore because the temple no longer exists. We, were not, we are not Jews ourselves. Our, because the law was given to the Jews. But there were moral aspects of the law which hold today. Which hold for all believers. And we just have to look at the Ten Commandments to relate to that but he says he promises that if we do keep his law it'll give it'll be for the for the length of our days it'll be for prolonging our life and making it peaceful now we know that any Christian that becomes a, a member of the body of Christ is not promised A pain-free or a suffering-free life. We know that life is not easy. We know that life has many difficulties and challenges. But we can be at peace with it. That's the point. We can be at peace when we are going through trials and tribulations and suffering. You've heard the saying, I've seen them, I believe, on bumper stickers. Life is hell and then you die. Who's that speaking to? Who, who's, who's saying this, should I say? It's the one that has no hope after death. Life is hell. They realize life, and they use more profane wording than that, and then you die. But for a believer, as we were studying even in Peter, First Peter, we're coming to, I think it was even said uh, uh, last week in chapter 3, that, you know, Blessed are we, happy are we, if we suffer as, he, as good doers, not as evil doers. So there's a reason for our suffering, there's a reason for our pain, and God uses all of this to bring about His purposes in our lives and also in the lives of others when they witness the way we live. So we may not 
If you, go, if you go back to the words of Jesus, he says, my peace I give you, my peace I leave unto you. What did he say? What was, what was the next phrase? Not as the world giveth peace. Right? So when he says, uh, and he promises a long life and peace, it's not as the world gives peace. And many people have a hard time with God because I think the purpose for God, get this, the purpose for God is to give us a life without pain and without suffering and only to provide us what we enjoy. And when they don't get it, they blame God. Well, God is the original cause, right? God is the original cause. It's not what, it's not what the purpose for God is. It's what is our purpose, not what is the purpose of God. Jesus said that God is in heaven and you're on the earth. It's not the other way around. And so the purpose of man is to, is to love God, and, and as the Westminster Confession says, and glorify Him forever. In other words, the way we live, the life we have, but it's not guaranteed that we will have a pain-free, sufferless, if I can use that term, life. Many people would like to control God and put him in a box, put him in something so that they can get the kind of God they want, to let, him, let them do what they want to. But this, this chapter really speaks loudly to us that it's the opposite. He said, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Always remember to be merciful and to live in the truth. Because when we're living in, in lies, we're living a lie. We're, we're being deceived. We are being promised something which we will never receive. Instead, we'll get the opposite. When we live for truth, we are always safe. When we live for the truth, we, will always, we are always safe. And you, can tell, you, you know that from your own experiences. You normally... A lie comes back to kick us in the back. It, it goes around. There's a saying that says that a lie travels fast, but truth travels sure. A lie can, when somebody lies about us, it, it'll go out there. It'll be like the, like the wind blowing feathers around. But after time, when everything settles and the truth comes out, it may be painful for us at that time when there's these false rumors going around, but when the truth actually comes out, then we are vindicated by the truth, by God. So always live in the truth. We never have to watch our backs. We never have to uh, be afraid of repeating something if it's true in the first place. If you make a lie, you have to remember what you said. And that's how they get many people on the witness stands to find them guilty when they trap them in false witness on this occasion or on that occasion. And let not mercy depart from you. Remember for us that we are to be merciful. I, meant, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago about this person that was a, a great footballer, but it didn't seem like he had a... Um, very strong Christian background, if I could put it that way. 
But I do remember about his biography that his father always told them to be honest, to be helpful, to be kind. And what that did was instill in at least this person, I don't know the others, it's, it's, it's instilled in that person a very great work ethic. So when he trained, when he played, he, he, the reason he got where he was because he trained so hard and he didn't do things just to get in the team, but because he believed in it. And that can be true for anyone, even for someone. That's why I say, well, I, I, can, uh, I, I can be good. I can practice good things. Sure, you can practice good things. We heard this morning that God has given to everyone in 1.9 of John, He has given everyone that light that lights every, every man that comes into the world. He's given us all the knowledge of good and evil. We all have this, this um, conscience, if you will. And we know, we know what the ring of truth when we hear it. Even though if you're not a Christian, we may deny it in order not to follow it. We may not want to admit to others. But we know it's true, but we sometimes go for the things that taste good, that feel good, and therefore we push truth to the side. But this man was not only known for a, a fantastic sportsman, what they said, he was not only a, a champion on the ground, he was a champion off the ground. Where he went and did a lot of charity, a lot of good works and he was remembered by that for the Christian just doing good works doesn't make it but it's a faith in Christ and in God that the Bible says uh, pleases him we can by our faith be justified and accepted by Christ, by God, but it is our works that actually support that and uh, through our works we glorify His name. So it's not all about works, it's about believing God. And, and we're going to come to it in a, in a second. Then He said, So shalt thou find, um, let mercy and truth forsake thee, not, let not mercy and truth forsake thee, Bind them upon your neck. This is symbolic now. This is like a this is a metaphor. Bring them close to you. Keep them close to you. And upon the table of your heart, internalize it. If we have if we are merciful on the inside, if we are truthful on the inside, it's going to show on the outside. And we're going to do what we truly believe is true. And we're going to behave how we truly are on the inside. Jesus said that in Matthew 15. Not that which goes into the mouth defiles a man, that which comes out of the mouth, out of the heart should I say, that, that defiles a man. Because what begins in the heart ends up on the extremities. And then he says this, So shalt thou find favour and good understanding in the sight of God and man in both. Now, if we fear the Lord, the Bible says that, that He will even make our enemies become our friends. 
The way to reach other people is to show love, truth, mercy, grace to others. Not criticism, not judging them, but rather seeking how we can help them. And they notice that. But then he says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. They say, I've heard that before. I, I sort of know what that means. Trust him. The question is, in what? What do you trust him in? Do you trust him? Do you only trust him when things are going your way? Do you only trust him when things are working out for you? Do you only trust him when you understand what he's doing? Go back to the garden. A very, very poignant example. Adam and Eve. When God left them with all the commands, we covered that a few times already. And along comes the incarnation of Satan himself, which is the serpent. And he talks to Eve. <coughs> Maybe she was by herself at the time, I don't know. And then Adam came and joined him later, joined her later. And let me just read it to make it more vivid and It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had, God hath made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of this every, eat of every tree in the garden? The first thing what happens, he plants doubt into the mind of Eve. Has God really said that? They say, Well, I remember him telling me that. I should believe that. I should accept that. I should trust him in what he said. He's putting down not to trust God. Did God really say that? Did he really mean that even? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. It's not going to happen. Now she had vivid rec recollection of what God told her and now Satan comes uh, sometime later and says that's not going to happen. For God knows that in the day in which you eat thereof your eyes shall be opened and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. And then the woman said saw the tree was good for food it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. So she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband and he did eat. Now did Eve trust the word of God? Obviously she had a lot of doubt and she began to believe the devil. Even though she clearly recalled she wasn't making these words up. And then she began to distrust what God had told her. 
Can you see now why perhaps God justifies those that believe? She didn't understand maybe why God told her that. And the devil seems to make sense. Look, it's so good. It's, why, why is God denying this to me? Why is he keeping this back from me? If he was my good father, my good God. And we come into situations just like that. And we begin to distrust God. And look at the end. What happened to Eve and to Adam. It caused the fall of the whole human race. Can you imagine what would have happened if Adam and Eve had children at this time? You would have had two races. Unless they fell for it too. Unless they disobeyed, disobeyed as well. What God is saying in chapter 3 of Proverbs is what, he's, what he was telling the Adam and Eve to trust in him, not in anything else. Even when they don't understand why. And then they take, if you will, the law into their own hands. It doesn't make sense. I'm going to do it this way. The reason I bring this up is because I've seen it many times. It happens in many situations. You know, one, one particular situation is, you know what the Word of God says about marriage? You know, the Word of God says in marriage to marry in the Lord. But what do you see people doing? They don't get married, so they marry out of the Lord. Well, God didn't provide for me, so I need to provide for myself. This is one example. Another example is... Um, I don't have a good job. Uh, I'm going to go into, I'm not making enough money. I may go into something which we know God doesn't want us to do. Quick money, gambling. Or getting into very shady deals to make quick money. Because God's not helping me. I've got to take the law into my own hands. That's his understanding. God says, do not lean to your own understanding. He's given us laws. He's given us very clear um, instructions on what to do and what not to do. But then we take things into our own hands. And we end up with Eve. We end up with Adam. In the same book. In the same bucket, if you will. We've taken things into our own understanding. It says in verse 7, Be not wise in thine own eyes. In the book of Romans, two times, in chapter 11 and chapter 12, it says, Be not wise according to your own conceits. Whatever you conceive in your mind, don't lean on those imaginations that you've come up with, the things, the schemes that you've come up with, because you think you can get a shortcut to success, or you think you can get what you want and still break the law of God. 
You can see how we may have read this verse a hundred times, but how applicable it is to each and every one of us. Where we compromise on what we believe, we compromise upon we know what we know is true, because we want a shortcut. A lie is a shortcut. It's a convenience to get yourself out of a hot spot. But truth comes along like the, the tortoise in, the, in Aesop's fable, the tortoise and the hare. And the tortoise catches up with the, with the hare. And the hare loses. Because he's wise in his own conceits. Truth travels slowly but surely. And perhaps one of the key factors in trusting God is being patient. Is, is waiting upon the Lord. We sing as at 3.10. Wait, awake oh my spirit. Wait upon the Lord. Cast on him thy burden. He will grace the fool. We, we, we jump into things because we are impatient. We're not getting it. We're not getting it now. And then we do tremendous damage to ourselves we lose that peace in verse 2 we don't have that peace we don't have that resting in God when we don't wait upon God when we actually lean on our own understanding what happened to us remember Saul when Samuel specifically told Saul you know, he knew he had to go and sacrifice before the battle. And Samuel didn't get there on time. So what did Saul do? Who was not a priest. He went and sacrificed before Samuel got there. Why? Because Saul was impatient. And he didn't trust God. You can think of many other examples because of the lack of patience, because of the lack of waiting upon the Lord. You didn't trust God. And essentially what that does is it shows that man wants to become independent from God. Deep down in his heart, he's, he wants independence of God. He wants to have the freedom to do what he wants to do, what he feels like doing. And isn't that the nature of humankind? They want independence from God. If man had a choice, he wished God would not exist. Or he, he would wish that God did not exist. Because then he doesn't have a bad conscience. Then he can do what he wants and not feel bad about it. But God does exist. God is. The fool said in his heart, there is no God. But we believe that God does exist. And that the reason God gives us this law and these truths and his wisdom is so that we don't fall into the pitfalls that many that went before us have fallen into and have done shipwreck to themselves. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Acknowledge that he's the one that knows, that he knows my future, 
that he sees which way to go because I don't and follow him and he'll direct you which place where you should put your foot down next you don't know if it's a thin ice or a quicksand he does you don't know if it's a trap he does if you haven't taken um, time to pray to seek God's will in it and find a piece about it and say yes it does agree with scripture if it does not agree with with the word of God God does not contradict himself some have said I believe this is God's will but they've completely blatantly disobeyed his law disobeyed the word of God not just the Old Testament but the New Testament I believe I believe God provided this for me how can you say that when it's completely against the, the word of God. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct your paths. Um, I love the verse in many, many years ago. Uh, discovered this verse at CFG I believe it was. In Isaiah chapter 30 it says and therefore will the Lord wait get this God is telling us to wait and now it says therefore the Lord will wait verse 18 of chapter 30 that he may be what gracious to you God is going to wait that he may be gracious to you that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord God is a God of judgment. Blessed are they that wait for him. You say, well, why would God wait? Why would God wait? Perhaps because we are not ready to receive what we want. If you read those Proverbs, it says that he'll grant you, was it chapter 5? He will grant you the desires of your heart. Yeah. But when? Are you ready to receive it? Am I ready to receive it? What would have happened if Moses was given straight away the leadership of Israel out of Egypt when he was 40? Was he ready? Why did God wait 40 years to prepare Moses to lead the children out of Egypt? To become the leader that God wanted him to be. God doesn't just go, you know, pointing his finger and you're instant, instantly changed and you're instantly changed. He, he has chosen to, to, to make man and woman go through experiences to develop their character to de develop their, their spiritual uh, knowledge and understanding and then to use them as vessels for his glory what was the one trait that Moses had that characterized him above everyone else you remember he was the meekest man on earth Moses was the weak, the meekest, not the weakest, the meekest man on earth. 
Why is that important? You give power to someone that is proud, what's going to happen? He's going to abuse that power. More likely to abuse the power to someone you give that is proud, he's going to abuse that power. God trained Moses in the deserts of Midian where he met his wife and father-in-law as a shepherd for 40 years he was the meekest man on this earth and God gave him that power the authority to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt so when God gives us things he makes sure that we are ready to receive them God doesn't give us grace if we're not humble would we squander it? Will we reject it? God gives the grace to the humble. And so, God is not in a big hurry just to make snap conversions. He wants people that follow Him do so willingly, humbly, and be committed. To following him it says be not wise in your own eyes fear the Lord and depart from evil it shall be health to your navel and marrow to thy bones and I looked up that word navel basically tied to the umbilical cord the many different translations say he's given health to your body because the navel the umbilical cord was the source of life and nutrition for the baby in the womb so God, you, when you follow what God has told you and you seek his wisdom, he will give you health to your entire body and marrow to your bones. Honor the Lord with your substance. When, and when you get things uh, that, that God has given you, whether it's money, whether it's uh, um, uh, crops, whether it's animals, honor the Lord with your substance. Give the first fruits an increase. Give back what God has given you. He's given us things that we not keep for ourselves, but that we should share with others. And then he says, For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father his son. And happy is the man that finds wisdom and the man that gets understanding. You know, that's not even half the verses that we read, but this is why this book, the Word of God, is the the best book we'll ever read because it tells us the truth it doesn't flinch from telling us right in our face and if we're willing to accept that it'll be healthy for us not just for our physical body and bones but for our spiritual body and it will save us a lot of grief it doesn't say save us hardship we will have hardship but we can rest in the hardship that we have, the suffering, the pain that we constantly see in our midst, in our circles, in our families. And God is able to, to bring us through all of that if we just listen to his word. And it'll take a long time perhaps, but the fruit will come in due time if we wait upon the Lord. To him be the glory evermore. Amen. This concludes. The message, can somebody find a hymn, please? Jesus said to one that was following him, 
Blessed is he that hears the word of God and keeps it. If, if God wanted to save people because of their intellectual prowess and because how smart they were, he would have given us a different book. But what he has given to us is truth, like um, a song we sing, life and health and peace, the word of God. He's given us a simple word, but so deep and so true. And people that reject it do it to their own peril. I pray that it's not so with us. May the Lord bless the word that we've heard throughout this day. To him be the glory evermore. Amen. This concludes our service.